Today is February the 8th. Today the book of Job ends as God speaks to Job. In reading through the Bible in a year, today I'd like you to read the end of the book of Job, Job 38 to chapter 42. Here God speaks. First of all, in chapter 38, uh, the Lord begins his response. Who's this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. You must answer them. Then God begins to speak. Now, the first thing he says is that, Job, you can see me. You can see me in creation. You can see me in nature. You can see me in the animals. At the end of chapter uh, 38, uh, beginning chapter 40, the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You're God's critic, but do you have answers? Job replied to the Lord, I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I'll cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. So God goes on speaking. Now he points out behemoth and leviathan. Um, some think that behemoth may be reference to an elephant, leviathan reference to uh, a Nile River crocodile, and it could well be. They also could be mythic figures. They could be great sea monsters. They could also be references, uh, as they indeed do occur in apocalyptic literature, to great powers in the world. We don't really know. The point, however, of these chapters is not to identify them so much as to say God is God over them as well. He is the ultimate power, the ultimate authority. Now look how Job responds. In Job 42, Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything. No one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It's I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Listen to what Job says. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said. I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Job says, I have finally heard God. And that's enough. That's all I was looking for. The book of Job ends with that declaration. God tells Job to pray for his friends. He does. He, he prays for his friends. He forgives them for their words. Job knew more about God than they did. Um, God restores Job. He restores possessions. He restores family. But the important thing is that at the end of the book of Job, God speaks 
to Job. All through the book of Job, we insisted that the real point of the book of Job is to point out how God uh, sometimes seems so distant and far away. We started by reading a a quote from C.S. Lewis in which Lewis observed that in his own life, but he thought and said, it may be not so much that God wasn't speaking to me, but that I was shouting so loud, trying so hard that I couldn't hear. Job heard, and all was well in his world after God spoke to him. Feel like God isn't speaking to you today? Keep talking. He will. Job 38 to 42, New Living Translation. Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb, and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, This far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It's robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course, you know all this, for you were born before it was all created. You are so very experienced. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I've reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where's the path to the source of light? Where's the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren earth in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father who gives birth to the dew? Who's the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the movement of the stars, binding the cluster of the Pleiades, or loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the constellations through the seasons, or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? 
Can you use them to regulate the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who's wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil has hardened into clods? Can you stalk prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetites as they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? Job 39. Do you know when the wild goats give birth? Have you watched as deer are born in the wild? Do you know how many months they carry their young? Are you aware of the time of their delivery? They crouch down to give birth to their young and deliver their offspring. Their young grow up in the open fields, then leave home and never return. Who gives the wild donkey its freedom? Who untied its ropes? I've placed it in the wilderness. Its home is the wasteland. It hates the noise of the city and has no driver to shout at it. The mountains are its pasture land where it searches for every blade of grass. Will the wild ox consent to being tamed? Will it spend the night in your stall? Can you hitch a wild ox to a plow? Will it plow a field for you? Given its strength, can you trust it? Can you leave and trust the ox to do your work? Can you rely on it to bring home your grain and deliver it to your threshing floor? The ostrich flaps her wings grandly, but they're no match for the feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on top of the earth, letting them be warmed in the dust. She doesn't worry that a foot might crush them or a wild animal might destroy them. She's harsh toward her young, as if they weren't her own. She doesn't care if they die, for God has deprived her of wisdom. He's given her no understanding, but whenever she jumps up to run, she passes the swiftest horse with its rider. Have you given the horse its strength or clothed its neck with a flowing mane? Did you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snorting is terrifying. It paws the earth and rejoices in its strength when it charges out to battle. It laughs at fear and is unafraid. It does not run from the sword. The arrows rattle against it and the spear and javelin flash. It paws the ground fiercely and rushes forward into battle when the ram's horn blows. It snorts at the sound of the horn. It senses the battle in the distance. It quivers at the captain's commands and the noise of battle. Is it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar and spread its wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle rises to the heights to make its nest? It lives on the cliffs, making its home on a distant rocky crag. From there it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes. Its young gulp down blood. Where there's a carcass, that's where you'll find it. Job 40. Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You're God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, 
I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, Brace yourself like a man, for I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right. Put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you, for your own strength would save you. Take a look at Behemoth, which I made just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox. See its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as strong as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit together tightly. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It's a prime example of God's handiwork. Only its creator can threaten it. The mountains offer it their best food, where all the wild animals play. It lies under the lotus plants, hidden by the reeds in the marsh. The lotus plants give it shade among the willows beside the stream. It's not disturbed by the raging river, nor concerned when the swelling Jordan rushes around it. No one can catch it off guard or put a ring in its nose and lead it away. Job 41 Can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it agree to work for you to be your slave for life? Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it your little girls to play with? Will merchants try to buy it or sell it in their shops? Will its hide be hurt by spears or its head by a harpoon? If you lay a hand on it, you will certainly remember the battle that follows. You won't try that again. No, it's useless to try and capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down. Since no one dares to disturb it, who then can stand up to me? Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. I want to emphasize Leviathan's limbs and its enormous strength and graceful form. Who can strip off its hide? Who can penetrate its double layer of armor? Who could pry open its jaws? For its teeth are terrible. The scales on its back are like rows of shields tightly sealed together. They're so close together that no air can get between them. Each scale sticks tight to the next. The interlocking cannot be penetrated. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth. Flames of fire flash out. Smoke streams from its nostrils. The steam from a pot heated over burning rushes. Its breath would kindle coals, for flames shoot from its mouth. The tremendous strength in Leviathan's neck strikes terror wherever it goes. Its flesh is hard and firm and cannot be penetrated. Its heart is hard as rock, hard as a millstone when it rises. The mighty are afraid, gripped by terror. 
No sword can stop it. No spear, dart, or javelin. Iron is nothing but straw to that creature. Bronze is like rotten wood. Arrows cannot make it flee. Stones shot from a sling are like bits of grass. Clubs are like a blade of grass, and it laughs at the swish of javelins. Its belly is covered with scales as sharp as glass. It plows up the ground as it drags through the mud. Leviathan makes the water boil with its commotion. It stirs the depths like a pot of ointment. The water glistens in its wake, making the sea look white. Nothing on earth is its equal. No other creature is so fearless. Of all the creatures, it's the proudest. It, it is the king of beasts. Job 42 Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It's I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen and I'll speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Tamanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I'll accept his prayer on your behalf. I'll not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Tamanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home, and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. Each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring." So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a 1,000 teams of oxen, and a 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third Karenhapuk. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll go back to the book of Exodus and see how the Exodus began.